0: Hello, my friends. More today on the war between Israel, the democratic nation, and Hamas, the terrorist entity. But also a review of Maxime Bernier's tweet on the situation. He says we should all be Canada first. But what does that mean? I'll go through it. I did invite him on the show today. haven't heard back. I'll take you through that. And we'll also have an update from Avi Yamini, who's on the ground in Israel doing reporting for us. But first let me invite you to become a video viewer of this podcast. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com. Click subscribe, it's eight bucks a month, because I really want you to see what Avi is doing in Israel every day. That's rebelnewsplus.com, eight bucks. You get the show every day. And that's how we pay the bills around here, because we don't get any money from Trudeau, which is why we can be so independent. All right, here's today's podcast. tonight does israel want canada's help or Does israel just want canada to not interfere with them helping themselves it's october 12th and this is the ezra levant show shame on you you censorious bug I saw this tweet today by Maxime Bernier, the leader of the People's Party of Canada. He said, To all those living in Canada who care more about what's going on in Ukraine and the Middle East than in this country, and want to import these conflicts and get us more involved in them, why don't you just go and fight there yourself instead? Canada first. Well, I'm pretty much Canada first. I think I know what that means to me. It means that I'm I'm skeptical of foreign entanglements for our country. I mean, look at Trudeau and all of his entanglements in India, in China. It's made a mess of foreign policy and it's caused enormous troubles in domestic policy. I mean, what I mean is I'm, I'm skeptical of Canadian resources being sent to other countries at all either from military aid or from more general foreign aid. I mean, we are learning every day how much has been wasted and defrauded in our own domestic spending in Canada, like the scandal of the Arrive Can app. I think it's fair to say, I'm just making an estimate here, that 25% of Trudeau's spending is misappropriated, misdirected, or outright stolen. I don't think that's outlandish to say. Well, imagine what the percentage would be in third world countries that take billions in foreign aid from Canada. I mean, it just couldn't be less than 50% stolen. And that's just aid. I'm generally opposed to Canadians sending troops abroad too, including when Stephen Harper sent troops, military ship, in a counterproductive decision to join Hillary Clinton's war against Muammar Gaddafi, which handed Libya over to terrorists and unleashed a 1,000 monsters, including open air slave markets again. I think it's fair to say that Trudeau sent troops to the country of Mali. Hey, no Googling, can you even find it on a map? Do you know where Mali is without checking? I think he did that because Trudeau's mum went to Mali on some kind of, you know, theological vacation or something, spiritual journey. I can think of no other reason why Trudeau would have done it other than his mom thought it was a really cool country. I'm skeptical about expanding NATO to encircle Russia because each of those countries that signs up is now a tripwire that could pull Canada into a conflict. I'm, I'm genuinely worried about war with Russia. I think we've never been this close to war with Russia since the Cuban Missile Crisis. And I don't think we're exactly working with the Winston Churchills of our age, uh, Sanna Marin, who brought Finland out of almost a century of neutrality into NATO. She's a party girl who dances and parties and goes to raves and just reads scripts written for her by who knows. Seriously, her her claim to fame is going to booze and drug fueled raves as prime minister. You go girl, I just, that makes me scared. I, I don't want entanglements with people like her. I'm skeptical of the deep state. And I long for the days of Donald Trump's foreign policy. And before you hate on Trump, He emphasized peace through strength and deterrent. He dealt with threats directly, directly, massively, and quickly, which meant everyone in the world knew not to mess with America. When Trump was boss, I point out to you, Putin invaded countries before Trump, Georgia, Ukraine, And he invaded countries after Trump, Ukraine, but he didn't invade any countries during Trump, did he? Trump's occasional show of force, like when he had dinner, I don't know if you remember this, he had dinner with Xi Jinping, the Chinese dictator at Mar-a-Lago, and Trump timed it. So he launched a cruise missile attack on Syria, just over dessert, just over dessert. It was designed to send Syria and Russia a message, but China too. One day a year, Trump would flex muscles like that, and then 99% of the year, there would be peace. Trump was better at foreign affairs than Trudeau or Biden. You know, I never used to believe in the phrase, the military-industrial complex. That's what Dwight D. Eisenhower called it, and he would know. He was the general who led the D-Day invasion, and then he was president. I thought that phrase military-industrial complex was sort of a goofy Marxist thing used by Noam Chomsky and other peaceniks. But watching any random TV clip of people like Lindsey Graham, the senator, or the late John McCain show that it is a very real thing, I mean, here's just one example. Tell me this isn't unnerving.
1: The best money we've
2: ever spent. Free or die. Free or die. Now we are free. Yes. And we will be. And the Russians are dying.
0: But back to Maxime Bernier's tweet. And by the way, I wrote to him today and invited him to come on the show just to talk about it. He said, to all those living in Canada who care more about what's going on in Ukraine and the Middle East than in this country and want to import these conflicts and get us more involved in them, why don't you just go there and fight there yourself instead? Canada first. But I think Bernier is not only tone deaf here and controversy farming on Twitter to stay on the media, social media radar i think he's wrong in substance i haven't heard a single voice calling for canada to send troops to to israel or even for canada to send foreign aid to israel i i I don't think canada has done either in a very long time this is one of the most up-to-date lists of foreign aid recipients i could find um i don't think israel is even on the list i i actually don't think canada gives israel a dollar. Uh, by contrast, the Liberals actually do send, uh, they've sent over a hundred million dollars to UN agencies that are embedded with Hamas. One is called UNRWA, it's a UN agency. Trudeau did that after other countries pulled out their money over worries about terrorism and just plain old embezzlement. And Ukraine obviously has received billions of dollars in the past year, including in the form of actual Canadian Armed Forces equipment. Trudeau says he sent nine billion over, but the news for Bernier's tweet is obviously the Hamas attacks on Israel. I mean, nothing new has happened in Ukraine. What is the Canada-first approach that Bernier would recommend for Israel that is different from what is happening now or what uh, anyone is calling for? There is one Canadian Armed Forces jet that's going to Israel to bring home some stranded Canadians, and that—that's pretty much standard operating procedure all the time. I don't think it's a particularly big deal. Um, I don't think that Israel these days even thinks about Canada. Uh, we're now known for Justin Trudeau's socks mm-hmm. and for bungling every file from India to China. I mean. Here's what Trudeau had to say at the G20 meeting a few weeks ago. This is so embarrassing. Who would say, we need help. Who can we call? Trudeau. Th- this is what he said. What did Canada contribute to okay. the
3: uh, As always, Canada is a strong voice uh, for inclusion of uh,
0: gender language, uh, inclusion of uh, Indigenous Uh, reflections. Got it. So, indigenous reflections and gendered language. You know, he's not even a joke. He's a joke to us because we have to listen to him, but real countries just, just ignore him. The five allies that put out a statement on Hamas the other day were like super friends. The US, the United Kingdom, Italy, Germany, and France. Canada was not on that list. Look, I think what Israel wants is not intervention from Canada, but non-intervention. Don't lecture it. Don't try to stop it from extirpating the terrorists on the other side of that fence with Gaza. I think Israel's just saying to Canada, stay out, not come in. I think it's a very different argument from the Ukraine matter where Canada is using unusual bellicosity in terms of language and diplomacy and the $9 billion in aid. I mean, here's Trudeau the other day when Zelensky was in town. It's hard for the democracies around the world who are there to support their citizens, who are investing for the future, who are challenged with a challenging economy around the world to continue to step up as Canada has with close to $9 billion in aid for Ukraine. But we will because the cost on Canadians, on our lives, on our world will be so much greater if Putin wins this war that we will and have to stand every single day until Ukraine wins this war. How is that comparable to the Israel situation? Why is he lumping them together? If Bernier is talking about and I think he actually is the pro-Hamas hate rallies and say so there's a lot to talk about there the Gaza Plaza Hamas parade that we broke the news on by videotaping it, rallies across Canada supporting Hamas, cheering the murders, cheering the terrorism, people talking about exterminating Israel. If that's what you're mad about, and I think you should be, say so. But the tweet has written, it bundles the murderers and the murder victims together and tells them both to shut up. Bernier is a friend of mine. I've known him since before he was even a member of parliament. I knew him when he was a vice president At the Montreal Economic Institute years ago, sort of a free market think tank. I think Rebel News has got to be the most supportive media company in the whole country towards him. We've interviewed him countless times. We've been supportive of him in many ways. We've even invited him to speak at our live in-person events. I consider him a friend, although honestly, I realize you can never fully be a friend with a politician, especially if you're a journalist. I've always regarded Bernier as courageous, especially during the lockdowns. I mean, I remember when he was arrested. We covered it extensively. He showed courage. I remember when he joined a lawsuit against the no-fly rule for vaccinated, unvaxxed people. But I think this tweet is a rare instance where Bernier is actually not showing courage. And here's why I say that. There's a lot of Muslim and Arab supporters of Bernier, which is great, including his past candidates, which is great. But I think Bernier is worried about losing their support, and he's already losing support to Pierre Polyev on other issues. Bernier did really well when the red Tory Aaron O'Toole was the Conservative Party leader. Under him, uh, the Conservatives, I don't even want to use that word, um, they were against the truckers, they were against the convoy, they were for vaccine mandates, or at least didn't oppose them. Even for the carbon tax. Aaron O'Toole was for the carbon tax. Isn't that crazy? But now Pierre Polyev is the leader and he's done none of those things. There are fewer and fewer differences between Bernier and Polyev and that means that the People's Party vote is sort of sliding back to Polyev. I think it is already. I think polls show that and Bernier is trying to differentiate himself. But back to the terrorism statement to mean the past week has not been about policy a versus policy b or this solution or that solution or is the war being prosecuted correctly that none of that's happened yet the past week has just been about acknowledging the most barbaric moment in a generation deliberately barbaric designed to terrorize and terrify and humiliate it is a massive pogrom a massive nazi moment like kristallnacht but in some ways it's worse I think the main reaction to the terror has been personal and emotional, not even political. I mean, this is just pure evil. No one I know, no one I've heard of, is asking for Canadians to send tax dollars or troops or or even weapons to Israel. I think people such as myself are simply looking for political leaders to say, what happened is pure evil and we're morally against it, just just say that. How is that not Canada first? Instead, Bernier has come across as saying, you are wrong to care about this. Just shut up or go over there. Because, and I think this is actually the explanation, I think he didn't have the political courage to say what he actually means, which is, you pro-Hamas supporters with your pro-terrorism rallies, you should go back to Gaza. Because Bernier, who's normally quite courageous, didn't quite have the political courage to speak the unvarnished truth because to do so would mean to lose, I don't know, 10% of his party. So instead he came across as absolutely heartless towards people who weren't asking for anything from him other than to maybe say, I'm so sorry for this atrocity. I stand with you and I stand against the monsters. Instead, he lumped the monsters and the victims together and said, enough out of both of you. I think he actually lacked the political courage to say what he actually meant, and I think he screwed up. Look, I like the guy, but this is a big error. It's a shocking historical moment. It's like the 9-11 moment. There's even a touch of Holocaust-style Nazism there. Telling everyone just to shut up isn't the right message, and I don't even think... It's Bernier's message. Ironically, I think it's Bernier because he didn't say what he believes, well, what I think he believes, which is that he's truly revolted by the pro-Hamas rallies we've seen across the country. He's playing politics, which is rare for him, but he got it really wrong. By the way, if he accepts my invitation, I'm happy to have him on the show. He can correct me if I'm wrong. He can explain. Hey, instead of having our regular interview, I've asked our friend Avi Amini to record a little video from being on the ground in Southern Israel. Earlier today, he was there when a rocket attack happened. He arrived and five minutes later, rockets slammed into the town of Sterot. Here's a little video that Avi put together for our show today.
4: Avi Amini for Rebel News in Sterot, Southern Israel. We're at the site right now of a direct hit minutes ago. Literally five minutes after arriving here in Sterot, we heard a loud explosion. What's happened here today?
2: Today, it's uh, what's happened yesterday. They continue to throw the missile, and uh, three people uh, injured from the missile here, and we have uh, 20 rockets that land on the town. This is the reality now, because we're in, in a war.
4: As we drove into this city, a city that only days ago there were terrorists marching the street and butchering anyone in their way, we suddenly heard explosions having to run for our lives. I didn't hear a warning and there certainly wasn't 15 seconds to get to shelter, but it didn't hit us. It's about 500 meters from where we were and unfortunately there are three victims, one in a critical condition. I was driving in as it happened, as the explosions, I didn't hear any warning. What was that about?
2: I don't know, I think I hear a warning and, uh, and I run away. The problem is that everyone, even you, everyone that stay here, every time that they hear something, they need to run and uh, run and, uh, and uh, go under the ground or go to a bomb shelter to save their life. I don't think there was time for me. When we heard the explosions, there was no time. Avi, you in this situation one day. I'm in this situation 20 years. I have seven kids. Seven of my children don't know, know any reality, any other reality. So. Avi, what you suggest me to do to Hamas and the Jihad? If it, they will do it in your, on your family in your city, what we need to do? We need to crush them. We need to kill them. They are barbaris. They are uh, organized of evil. They are animals. They they killed innocent women and babies. Cut their 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 head. They are animals. They are the new ISIS of the world. We need to destroy them. We need to kill them. The
4: blood of one of the victims and the shrapnel on the wall is evident of what these rockets are able to achieve. Three injured, at least one in a critical condition, two in this car, and one up against that wall. This is the reality that they're living with every single day across the country, but especially here in Southern Israel. Avimini for Rebel News in Sterot, Israel.
0: If you like that, you can go to the thetruthaboutthewar.com.
4: Cesra, yeah, day one, it's been uh it it's been a wild ride. We really just woke up and head straight to the south without really touching base with anyone. We thought we'll just see what's happening for ourselves and um we got to Sterot within five minutes, literally driving in Sterot. What is that sound? Those are sirens. There we go. It's all happening here. There's actually just not far from us now in Jerusalem Police Station, there's just been a terrorist attack, Um, apparently one um, serious injured and one lightly injured police officer. But today we got to Sterot within five minutes. We just, we didn't even hear the warnings, we just felt and heard the explosions jumped out of the car. Honestly, I uh, didn't even see where the shelter was. Didn't have time till it was over. Uh, the shelter was happened to be across the road. Whoa, 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 no, no, it. Um, uh, Outside, on top, missiles. Missiles. Missile
0: missiles and smoke. What is that? Uh, that
4: looks like something that just got hit. <laughs> um, we saw the smoke. We kind of went to where it seemed like it had hit. And indeed there was a direct hit. Uh, There was three injured, one in a serious condition, all taken to hospital when we got there. And you can just see the daily life for Israelis here. And, And the thing that was interesting, the thing that struck me is that they were saying, this is like new to the world, but this has been their life for 20 years. And a lot of the people who live in and around these areas were actually, uh, removed out of Gaza, so out of Gush Katif and places like that, f- in 2005 as part of the disengagement plan for peace, and they say they were warning Israel, they were warning the government that if we move, all we're doing is we're bringing the problem closer. The you know they they saw themselves in Gaza before 2005 as the defence they were they were what was standing be, between Hamas uh, and 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 the different terrorist groups and uh the rest of israel the the non occupied territories because you've got to remember Gaza is not occupied it was be, it was given back like I said in two thousand and five and uh you know when we went there we saw as soon as we got there, we saw the uh the mayor basically the mayor calming one civilian down who was uh, visibly really upset and cursing out um it felt like the government almost as well as hamas as in felt like come on this has been 20 years uh, we caught up with the mayor who you know told us uh this has been his life forever. That's a sentiment here. Is that yeah? The world's woken up because they saw the horrific scenes over the weekend. But really, this has been the reality for people, especially in the south. Uh, we, there was one mother, and I think she was a volunteer to the to to the local council, who literally just started speaking to us, and it was it was raw and it was passionate in the moment right after an attack and she said exactly how she felt.
3: Do you know that the border is 800 meters away, right? So the city sits 800 meters from the border. The minute they destroyed the border and our first line of defense was gone and they walked in 6 a.m. in the morning or 5 a.m. in the morning or something like this, of course they were on the streets because it was a holiday. Some people already left the city for to travel. Some people were on their way, thinking about going to the, uh, the synagogues to pray. However, the sirens went off. When the sirens are on, uh, when, go off, people go into the bomb shelters. So no one was on the street and they just had a clean shot. Now, usually our first line of defense is our, our, our army. They, they weren't here. They were caught off guard. How, though? That's what so many people around the world are asking. So, you can see all what the experts are saying, and right now they're trying to figure out what happened. But I have to tell you, this is not the focus right now. For us, this is not the focus. This is old news. And this was for Saturday. In order for us to continue, if you look at what's happening right now, we're not in the same situation we were on Saturday. Right now, we're the hunters. And they better run. (laughs) Right now, the IDF is back and we're back big time. And it has been for a few days. They are running around being chased by people. People are not hiding from them. It's the other way around. Our soldiers are in the streets and strong. And we are right now in the middle of an attack, you know, with all these rockets. And we will go in and out of these these bomb shelters if it buys time for the IDF to go and demolish them. The Hamas has to go. I have to tell you, we have been warning um, governments and organizations that have been giving money to the Hamas for years, and we've been saying, if you're gonna teach a five-year-old how to stab a Jew, and if this is the ceremony, ending ceremony of kindergarten, how to stab a Jew, what do you think is gonna happen in 20 years? Do you think he's gonna be a rocket scientist or is he gonna be a, a terrorist? What are you gonna raise? If a mother or the, the women that I've seen on, on from Gaza are celebrating their son's success by killing and raping women. When they do that, do you think I have someone to talk to? I am a mother. I will never celebrate something like this. Who the hell do they think they are? The culture has to change. They have to shift. Hamas has to go and they have to decide. Are they for good or are they for evil? Are they for peace or are they for war? They need to make a decision. It's not on us anymore. It is done.
4: What, what would you say? So, we just saw the deadly reality of, you know, the daily... Deadly, daily right. reality this for is Israelis. And, but but what would change. you say to people that say, well, you know, what about the reality of the Gazan, you know, 40% of Gaza is kids. You know what, what about their reality? If you would
3: have asked me two years ago, I would say, okay. If you would have even asked me six months ago, I would say, okay, I don't care. Once you touch our kids the way you did, once you showed such such brutality, towards children and women, you are no longer someone that we need to take account for. You are done. But what, what about the kids? The kids? I do kids... you know what? What about our kids? What about the kids that have been killed on our, uh, in our kibbutzim? What about our kids? We are done. This is not the same equation. We are not dealing with people. Again, the people of Gaza, if they want a new government, then choose differently. Stop choosing these people. Stop praising these people. Stop showing all these videos and glorifying your people. Enough is enough. And the Palestinian Authority, one more thing for them. They have been paying terrorists $3,500 per month for killing a Jew. Do you understand that? It comes from money that Europe is giving them and the U.S. is giving them. And we have been saying this for years. Why are you okay with them paying for terrorists? If you murder someone, you get paid here. So don't you tell me that these guys are okay and these guys are evil. Enough is enough. Your lie has been exposed. We are resilient. We are resilient. We are here and we will take it and we will be on the other side of this. You will not win. Israel is here to stay. And that's the message that I have for everybody.
4: What I found uh, really good, you know, amazing about the way she articulated it was that It was everything I keep hearing in Hebrew, but perfectly articulated in English, which is sometimes hard because some of the Hebrew words don't translate. And sometimes, you know, an example was, I was talking to um, a a soldier, an officer who basically said to me, he was, and this was his wording. I was excited when this happened But he didn't mean excited as in in English, as excited didn't sound good. We couldn't actually use it in the footage because I feel like people would watch that and think, why are you excited by the terrorist attack? But it's not, it was was his translation of um, the emotions he was feeling. He was trying to say he was emotional, which it translates. If you translate the Hebrew word, it just comes to excited. So yeah, it's, uh, what else happened today? I'm just trying to go through it so much. Um, there's, there, the, the place is on edge. I've never seen Israel like this. And I was here in the, in, the Lebanon, in the second Lebanon war I served. And I remember being here through what was a big war at the time, but it's very different this time. This time, um, the sense of unity is amazing. That is similar to what I saw in Lebanon there. Um, you know, one of the stories we captured today were soldiers that pulled us over telling us that we have to give credit to a burger store because they went in and and they basically purchased burgers for the entire platoon and and they went to pay. They raised the money to pay for it, but they just wouldn't accept the money and they said, no, this is our um, donation to you guys. Keep it up. Use the money for something else. Avi Yimini for Rebel News in southern Israel. Now, we were just here filming another story where soldiers pulled up to us and said, you need to go to that burger shop and give them credit. Because, like we're seeing across this country, this shop refused to take the soldiers' money for the entire platoon. So we have
1: uh, hamburgers for a lot of our guys. We uh, wanted to order to uh, treat everyone. We're all working hard to defend the country and uh, do whatever we can to defend the people. And we went to go and do the order and uh, the owner of the, of the burger place BBB here uh, told us it's on the house. You guys uh, deserve it and they treated us and it goes to show how great the, how everyone's coming together to uh, defend the country and just supporting by any way they can. Are you seeing this kind of broad support widely or is this a unique story? I would say uh, from what we've been seeing, there's been a lot of special people doing amazing donations and doing everyone, even if they're not serving in the army, or they're not connected finding and doing their part. But uh, this was a very pleasant surprise. And it goes to show that the sacrifice that everyone will make to uh, defend our people and defend our country.
4: And Israel's been a pretty divided place the last few years, has this attack and basically now the response is that uniting the country is that is that does anyone even remember the protests about the law reform is there a shift now
1: I would say uh, from uh, my opinion what I see and throughout history regardless of what goes on in the country when uh, there's serious situations like this that threaten our existence uh, or threaten our uh, or really hurt us like this terrible uh, terrorist attack happened people drop the issues that seem minor at certain points and realize what's really important, restoring peace and defending our country. So I would say to answer that, uh, these things are put on the back burner and at this point, regardless, left, right, people are coming together and realize what we have
4: to do. So they told us to come in here and give him credit. He doesn't want credit. So first I want to understand what is happening in Israel now from that side of things, besides the conflict.
3: A lot of people, due to the situation, are in the spirit of volunteering. You know, with all the war that we are suffering right now, so I think it's what unites us as Jews, as the Israeli countries for Jews, that in time of crisis we are united together and we help each other. We're always united when something happens, and we're also united in our hearts always, even when we we have arguments. So. It's like a married couple, you
4: know. If the owner now, which I'm gonna go and see, if the owner's watching this, what would you say to him? I would say, uh, thank you very much. We
1: uh, really appreciate it. It's really gonna help our soldiers uh, keep the morale up and uh, make sure we have enough protein and uh, the stuff we need to stay strong and uh, fight to the best of our abilities.
4: And And that's what you see here, is really a country that has been the most divided in its history has come together so quickly and that's, you know, an incredible thing. You think Hamas, they don't realize, or I don't think they realized when they did this that they would actually solve one problem that Israel's had for a few years and that's been the disunity and the divide in the country. You know, you, you had weekly protests and people really angry at each other, brothers and sisters, family, my own family has been split over the last few years. My mother goes to protest um, in in support of um, the judicial review uh, reforms and her son, my brother, goes to anti and that's how divided the country was whereas right now there is this unity as in we're in this together and you see it playing out on every level which um, I I guess is... uh, Something nice coming out of uh, a tough time. It's, it, it is dark times here and you can feel it. It is heavy in the air. And uh, I'm grateful for the fact that I'm here to um, be able to record it and show the world it, uh, thanks to all the viewers. And uh, we'll keep um, we'll go out there every day no matter where it takes us. The uh, URL again is the, the truthaboutthewar.com. Ezra, till tomorrow. Take care.
0: Hey, welcome back. Your letters to me. Terry Purvis says, France stopped these kinds of protests in the the streets. Why aren't our Canadian government doing the same thing? I saw the same news that you did that France has banned pro-Hamas protests, and then later today I saw images of massive protests with tens of thousands of people just ignoring the law. And and what's France going to do? Like literally, what are they going to do when 10, 20,000 people show up for an illegal protest? What are you going to do? Alpha Mike says, didn't Justin set up hate speech laws for just such an eventuality, or is it only for use when the rainbow people are involved? Hey, that's a great point. You know, there's this uh, far left wing NGO that's affiliated with Antifa thugs. It's called anti-hate, which is sort of a joke because, you know, it's the opposite. That's a deceptive labeling. Uh, They receive an enormous amount of money from Justin Trudeau to call out hate. Well, I think we've had the most hateful week in 80 years. And we've had hate rallies calling for death and atrocities. And this group, the Canadian Anti-Hate Coalition, hasn't said a word in a week. (laughs) Because it's the kind of hate they like. They have no criticism of Hamas or left-wing hate, do they? Blazara316 says, I'm on the hunt for a conservative viewpoint that at least explains why people are protesting Israel's actions instead of just being baffled and outraged. Listen, every single war in history has civilian casualties. The Second World War had tens of millions of civilian casualties. And by the way, America, contributed to that, and I, I think that dropping the nuclear bombs on Japan were the right thing to do. It's estimated that a land invasion would have had a one million casualty count, which, I mean, imagine a million lives lost to invade Japan. So dropping two atom bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki was a, atrocious, and in some ways you could say a violation of the laws of war. You could say that, targeting cities instead of military bases. But those tens of thousands of lives lost probably saved hundreds of thousands of lives by averting the need for a full invasion. But all of this goes to my point, there is no such thing as a war without civilian casualties. The difference is do you try to kill people who are civilians or not? As we saw in these terrorist attacks, Killing civilians was their emphasis. It was their highest goal. Yes, they did kill soldiers when they saw them, but they specifically, their main target was this youth dance party. And they raped and murdered and took as hostage those young women. That was their purpose. That's a very different thing than the accidental or collateral death of civilians. And yet, be prepared for the pro-Hamas media to, declare that Israel's attempt to fight back and minimize civilian casualties is morally more grave than Hamas's deliberate strategy of targeting Israeli civilians. Well, that's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night, and keep fighting for freedom.